how many children we might have here this morning. But uh, you're certainly welcome to come up here, whoever is here. Oh, there's more than I thought. There's more than I thought. Well, Jesus uses a big word talking to us this morning, and, and I think that... Uh, be good for us to make sure we understand what that word means. Or try to, anyway. Tell me, if, if you leave a board laying on the lawn, on grass, for a long time, what happens to the grass? Any idea? It dies. It dies. It dies. Because It dies because grass needs light. When it's covered up, it doesn't get any light. Light is necessary for the grass. With light, grass can live. But without light, it dies. Well, how about this? What happens to fish if all the water in the fish pond dries up? One more thing. If you keep a butterfly in a jar with the lid screwed on tight, what happens to the butterfly? It dies. It needs fresh air. Fresh air is necessary. It's necessary for the butterfly to live. Without it, it dies. But with fresh air, it can live, and it will live. Well, Jesus talks to Martha and tells her that one thing is necessary. Why do you suppose he says that? Any ideas? It's because he wants Martha to live. And he knows that without that one necessary thing, Martha won't live. Martha will die, we will die, people anywhere and everywhere will die without that one thing, <coughs> that one important thing. Do you have any idea what that important thing is that Jesus is talking about? Yes. Yes, it is Jesus. Jesus as the word of God makes Jesus among us as God's word, the living word. It is God's word. It's what Jesus teaches. It's what God brings to us as his message of forgiveness and life in and through Jesus because that brings life. And if we have that word and we hear that word and we believe that word, keep that word, we will live and not die. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what he wanted for Martha, and that's what he wants for every one of us. He doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. And so he tells us what's necessary for us, his word, God's word of forgiveness and salvation in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Thank you for helping us understand what it is that's necessary for life. Thank you for your love that uh, reaches out to us and offers us life in and through Jesus Christ. We pray that you would uh, keep that word fresh in our hearts and minds, that we would ever hold to you and your promise of life forever with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for our message this morning is the last two verses of our gospel reading. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, I'm sure, the old saying is too much of a good thing. We use it to convey the idea that a good thing, if there's too much of it, becomes not so good. The good can be bad, or right might even be wrong. Rain is good for a new season of crops, get up and get going, but with too much rain, crops don't even get planted in the first place. Or food. Most of us regard that as a pretty good thing. We all need food to live, and we enjoy eating it. But eating too much of that good food can take years off our lives. So, it would seem, good can end up being bad. Doing what seems right can be perhaps the wrong thing to do. But why would this be? I think it might be that not all things are, not all good things are equally good. We can, I think, easily lose our way among the good things in our lives. As we focus on one good, we lose sight of the importance of others. And if we fail to judge the value of different good things, we can mistake which are most important. Good gets out of balance for us, and that is bad for us. We fail to put first things first, the most important before the less important, and that's bad. We end up doing too much of a good thing. If we fail to do enough, or even any, of the better things first. I once read or saw online, perhaps, how easy it is for people using the internet to be sidetracked from what we really need to get done, such as whatever it was we turned the computer or lit up our smartphone to do in the first place. It's not that email messages, market reports, weather reports, news, or sports are bad things. They're valuable. They help us in their way. But if focusing on them keeps us from paying attention to something even more important, something necessary for us, well, then they become, in fact, too much of a good thing. 
Too much of a good thing can even happen in our relationship with God. It happens when we rush ahead in our efforts to do good things for him before we clearly understand what he wants from and for us. When we rush ahead with our ideas of good before we're prepared by God to do what he wants us to do. The Today's Light devotional, it's a two-year series of readings through the Bible, recently had some readings from 1 Samuel describing how that very thing happened to King Saul. It happened over and over, in fact, until Saul completely lost sight of what God wanted from him. King Saul's good efforts ended up very badly for him. Truth is, God needs to do something with us before we can do anything good for him. And he will, if we only let him. Take hospitality. Could, you think, we ever be too hospitable toward a guest? We might not think so. When the Lord showed up at Abraham's tent door, Abraham was Johnny on the spot as the host. Sit right down, Lord. Rest here in the shade. I've got water to refresh your feet and a bit of bread as an appetizer. Lord, we've got oven-fresh buns, veal, and milk heard on the way. Lord, we're ready with all that's needed. Abraham didn't miss a beat with his hospitality. He worked hard to lay out the perfect meal that he assumed was what his divine guest was there for and expecting from him. But a meal wasn't the point of the visit at all. The guest, his guest, that guest, never said a single word about food. He simply asked if Sarah was there somewhere. And then he did what he to do. He gave the old couple what he knew they needed. The promise of a future, the promise of an heir, a son. You see, they were well beyond childbearing age by that time, but God was there to confirm the promise that he'd made with them once already many years before. That he would yet, even yet, at their ages, bless them with a son and countless descendants. And through their family, he would then bless the world. God came to Abraham and Sarah that day to prepare them for the work and service that he had prepared for them. And they needed to hear his words first for that to all go well. But Abraham's distraction with the hospitality that he thought he needed to provide almost caused him and Sarah to miss hearing the word of promise that God had brought for them, which was by far the more necessary thing for them. Abram's good hospitality very nearly became too much of a good thing for him and Sarah. The guest sees how distracted Abraham and Sarah are, so he repeats right then and there his word of promise for good measure 
to help them truly hear it and take it to heart. But that done, the visitors simply get up and go on their way. Exactly the same thing happens in our gospel lesson. And God's response in Jesus' gentle words of correction to Martha is even clearer for us to understand. When the Lord appears at the sister's home, Martha immediately throws herself into preparing a wonderful meal to welcome their guest. Luke tells us she was distracted with much serving. She, too, you see, wanted to do up her hospitality meal right and proper. But her sister, Mary, proved no help to her at all. Instead, Mary sits at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, leaving Martha with all the meal preparation. Martha is upset. She's anxious. She's worried. She complains to Jesus. Why hasn't he steered Mary into helping her with the work that Martha thinks is most important? The meal. But from Jesus' response, we can see that Martha did exactly what Abraham did. She rushed ahead with what she thought Jesus was looking for. She assumed that he'd come to them primarily to get something from her. She assumed that first and foremost, he wanted her to be busy serving him with as much hospitality as she could muster. But Jesus' answer tells us that the good thing she chose to do had ended up being too much of a good thing. Why? Well, because Martha was so consumed with her offering of hospitality that she was missing out completely on what Jesus brought for her. The reason that he'd come to see them. Martha was so distracted with serving Jesus that she gave no opportunity for him to serve her. Her good works became bad. The right thing she did became a wrong thing. She was missing out on the higher good, the one thing necessary for her. Jesus had not come looking for whatever good things Martha could offer him. As he would later say, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. This, you see, is the one thing necessary in our relationship with God that we hear and take to heart the words of Jesus again and again. God comes to us in order to give us a message that by his word made flesh, given into death, and then raised from the dead to everlasting life, he has blessed us and confirmed the promised future for us. Not because of anything that we did or do or will do for him, there's nothing we need to do because there's nothing we can do to make God comfortable with us. He wants us to hear and know what it is that he has freely done for us. Our good works don't earn his attention, but they can get in the way of our receiving his message about his good works done for us. Good things will do that to us if they distract us from hearing God's words that promise us forgiveness, life, 
and salvation for Jesus' sake. But God knows our every distraction. His word alerts us to them. His word offers forgiveness for every time our unnecessary things interfere with his necessary things. He forgives, and in grace and mercy, God gently and persistently repeats his word to us, desiring that we do indeed hear it and take it to heart. For then, as we do hear and in faith hold to that gospel message, we are prepared by him. Just as Abraham and Sarah finally were, we too will be prepared for the good work that he gives us to do. As we allow Christ to first serve us, he prepares us as servants that follow his lead. We too will go into the world bearing his word, the promise of forgiveness of sin and life eternal in God's Messiah, in Christ Jesus, the one thing necessary for all people to hear, for all people to live. And we find that as we make hearing and holding to his message for all people our priority, that we do do a good thing. Faith makes our effort to serve into a truly good thing in God's sight. We're rightfully hospitable, meeting needs of body and soul, the people the Lord leads to us as we serve, not shifting from the hope of the gospel we've heard, as Paul wrote, we find we've done exactly what our Lord is looking for from people first made holy and blameless by his word, that is, from us. We are blessed to supply food and drink to the hungry and thirsty, clothes and shelter to the destitute, or comfort care and companionship to the lonely, the sick, and the imprisoned. For as we in faith serve the least of these, our brothers and sisters, we are serving our Lord, serving his desire of life for all. Amen. Please pray with me. Dearest Jesus, Help us to seek you and your word above anything else. Make your word a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths so that what you have first done for us becomes what guides us to do in response. Help us to go where you would have us go. Speak with the people to whom you would have us speak and do and to do the good work that you have planned for us. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Amen.